Lonely song, the songs for you. There are two kinds of happiness. Life teaches us the first kind. And then esoteric teachings come along and they train us in another kind of happiness. I say train because it takes consistent work, effort, for a time. Not forever, but for a time. And so people say to me, what's the point of this work? Why should I keep doing it? Nothing happens. It's just awful. And they're very unhappy. And that's because they only know the first kind of happiness. They don't know the other kind of happiness that comes from training in the work. But if you persist and if you're willing, you can learn this other kind of happiness. After training, you'll find what made you happy will no longer make you happy. And so you become unhappy from this work, or at least that's how it appears. When you were a child, small things made you happy. A little ride on a mechanical horse, an ice cream, this or that. Now these things make you happy, but not as happy and not for as long. Later it took bigger and bigger things to make you happy. I had to have a new car, a new house, different this, different that. I had to have bigger things. And so the saying comes along, the only difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. That's where it comes from, this whole idea of happiness coming from outer things. Happiness was small and fleeting, while misery became larger and more lasting as we grew in life. It occurs so gradually that we don't see it, like a frog heated in a pot of water until it boils. You take a frog and you put it in a pot of regular water. You turn the heat on under that water, that frog will stay in there. But if you have a pot of boiling water or hot water and dump a frog in it, the frog will instantly try and jump out. But if you slowly, gradually heat it up, the frog will stay swimming around in there until it boils and is dead. We're like that. It's so gradual that we don't notice it. The loss of this, or the switch between this happiness and misery, where little things made us happy, then bigger things make us happy, the little things made us happy for a longer amount of time, and the bigger things make us happy less and less time. Gradually we change. How else could it be? Esoteric teachings take us inside while life draws us out through the five senses and then it glues us to its every changing event. Through inner sense of self-observation, life's happiness, happiness is compromised as we see to what it was glued. To what? To what is it glued? What is it that, it, that we attach to in life that makes us happy? What is that? It's getting our own way. It's not an ice cream, and it's not a ride on a mechanical horse, it's not a new car, it's not a new house. It's getting our own way. We think, this is the thing that will make me happy. Someone else thinks, no, this is the thing that will make me happy. So it's not the thing that makes us happy, it's getting our own way that makes us happy. If we're not getting our own way, yeah, we're not so happy. <laughs> this work teaches us, it doesn't matter if you're happy. That's not what's important. But we think that's all that's important. People go around and say, look, all I want is to be happy. They're the dumbest people on earth. All I want is to be happy. Well, that's good. You want the one thing you can never have. That's a, that's a guarantee. That's insurance against happiness. All I want is to be happy. <laughs> Think about it. All I want is what I can't have. Well, gee, welcome to the club. That's how we all are, aren't we? All I want is what I can't have. What do you want? Uh, I want that. Well, you can't have that. Well, but I want it. But you can't have it. Well, then I'm unhappy. So this is your revenge. Being unhappy is your revenge against not being able to get what you want. You ever look at a child who doesn't get what they want, you'll notice their revenge is to pout. <coughs> Moan, complain, pout, throw a tantrum. Why? Because they didn't get what they wanted. Remember last night when we were at the uh, that amusement park down there on the Strand? You would think, this far away from America, where everybody's always 
pouting. Everybody's always consume, consume, consume. The worst nation in the world, according to all of Europe. The worst nation in the world. We have everything and we're not satisfied with everything. So you'd think you'd come all this way to Greece and then you find a little boy who doesn't get what he wants. He wants to ride on this Ferris wheel, but he doesn't get it. So his father takes him away. And what does he do? He pitches a full-on American screaming fit, right? He's, his, his father's got him by the arm. What's he do? He screams and he wiggles and he lifts up his legs and he hangs by his arm and then he thrashes and screaming at the top of his lungs the whole time and everybody in the whole place is looking at him what's going on here what is this man doing to this child oh that's awful and the kid is eating it up oh yeah look now I'm getting the attention now they'll make me now they'll give me this ride on this Ferris wheel now I'll get what I want but the kid never did get what they wanted somebody held out for some reason, one reason or another, somebody held out and decided maybe it's not a good idea to give the kid everything they want. And the rest of the world said, yes, but give him what he wants so that he'll be quiet and we can be happy. It's all about that. It's all about people wanting what they can't have in order to be happy. That scream here is called the European scream. The European scream, right. It's different from the American scream. You do it in a different language. It sounds exactly the same to me, though. <laughs> I've heard that scream all over the world. Every country in the world I've ever been in, I've heard that scream. It's amazing. <laughs> the name for the next podcast. <clears throat> the European scream? <laughs> yeah. The so this work says, look, happiness isn't what matters. That's not what we're looking for here. That's it matters. That's not what I thought. You thought that, that the work teaches you to be happy? Um, I thought that the work insists on you to be happy. No, not at all. Because of, no? No, not at all. The work only teaches one thing. It matters if you are at peace with yourself. That's all the work teaches. If you are at peace with yourself, it doesn't teach you to be happy. You can tell when the work has taken hold of you, when you begin to be unhappy. That's how you know the work's got hold of you. It was like Sashka today. Last night the work got hold of her, remember? Last night the work got hold of her. She had these realizations. I've been blaming my mother-in-law all this time for doing this, and I'm the one who's doing it. And she got unhappy, right? Right. That's what happens. The work makes you unhappy. You see these things and you start to get unhappy. It's because your present increased state of consciousness after you've done the work, it collides with the former states in which your mechanical eyes always dictated what would make you happy, what happiness was. Your little mechanical eyes, the lowest part of you, the most negative part of you, the tiniest part of you, the part of you with the least understanding, always gets to decide what you're going to do. And that's why we are, we are part of the mechanical circle of humanity. Because we let these little, tiny, stupid, negative eyes decide what we're going to do. These little mechanical eyes always get to decide for us. Those are the ones we say I to. And what do you say to the eyes that want to love? What do you say to the eyes, to the eyes that want to believe in something higher? What do you say to the eyes that reach something higher? I don't believe that. How can I verify that? How can I prove that? That's what you say to them. But to the little eyes you say yes. But to the big eyes, you say, I don't know. I don't know you. They come knocking at your door. You say, who's at the door? And it says, big eye. Yeah, and, you, and you say, I don't know you. You can verify it easy. You can verify negative small eyes easily. Sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, so the work asks you to make an effort. So it asks you to pay. It asks you to make an effort. If you want this, you have to earn it. But you say, why? I don't have to earn anything else in life. No, you don't have to earn misery. You don't have to earn suffering. It comes as a free gift of life. You're born in a pain factory. How beautiful. You get all the pain and suffering that you could possibly ever want. But what? What does that mean? Does that mean that's all we ever want? No. We keep on doing the same things over and over again that bring more pain, more misery. 
because we just can't get enough of it. We just can't get enough of negative emotions. We love them. We wallow in them. We just can't get enough. And if someone tells you that, oh, I can't verify that. I don't know that that's true. Yes, you're born into it. That's true. Sure, like the frog in the water. That's what I said. You're the frog in the water. You yeah, heat it up gradually, you never know it. The, the more correct term would be you're the embryo and that you're the fully developed something. Who cares about... So, okay, fine. You put a tadpole in the water. Will that make you happy now? I so see. now to the outer thing. Here we are again. You're proving my point. The outer thing. You have to say the correct term. It's not like a frog. It's like a tadpole. It's the tadpole. You put it's the... More precisely. Yeah, that's what's important. Now we got that out of the way. Now we don't have to understand the idea behind it, do we? Because now we're focused on the words. And what do I always say? Don't pay attention to the words. Go for the meaning. Are you getting the meaning? No. I'll only be happy if I get the words right. That's what makes me happy. Fine. That kind of happiness, exactly what I'm talking about. Precisely what I'm talking about. The difference between these two kinds of happiness. So we'll go on. In spite of your unhappiness. You can tell when the work has got hold of you. Because all of a sudden you find that you begin to be unhappy, as Sashka did last night. Because our former state collides with our new increased state. We become aware of something about ourselves, our consciousness is increased, our old state collides with that. We have our old pictures of that's not the way I am. We have our new pictures of yes, but I've just proved that's the way I am. Bam! Big collision, unhappiness. And it's always the same with these little mechanical eyes that used to dictate what our happiness will be. Those happy eyes belong to illusions that are characteristic of the false personality. It's nothing new. The false personality always does the same thing with everybody. There's no difference. It wears a different suit, or different color shorts, different sandals, different shirt, but it's always the same thing behind it. It may dress itself up, it may make this face or that face, but it's always the false personality behind it and always leads to the same thing. I knew a girl, and every time that she got depressed and she was unhappy, her husband, to cheer her up, would take her to dinner. They started to go to dinner four, five, six times a week. And what happened? Was she happy? Yeah, for a little while. How can this be any kind of lasting happiness? What is happiness if it's not lasting happiness? From this we learned to sing this happy song. I used to be so happy. This is the song we learned to sing from this. I used to be so happy, but then this work came along, and now I'm not so happy anymore. You can hear it everywhere. You can hear this song sung on the internet often. Remember the guy in Scotland with his, the passion is a cult. I've never been to it. I don't know anything about it. But I read about it once and somebody said it was a cult. And now I'm here to tell the world and warn the world of this terrible thing. And there are 50 other people who are saying, this guy is crazy. He never did it. I did it. Transformed my life. But what do people listen to? They'll listen. He got more hits. He got more hits. They listen to the negative because the negative sells. sells. And the positive doesn't. Because the positive takes effort, and the negative feeds our little mechanical eyes. And that's what makes us happy. And that's not lasting happiness, because they constantly must be fed again and again and again. Why are they working so hard if they cannot make lasting threats? They're not working hard. Are they not working hard? No, you just said yourself. It's the easiest thing in the world to be negative. It's the easiest thing in the world to go with the little eyes. But when the big eyes come knocking at the door, you go, Oh, I can't verify you. I don't know you. The easiest thing in the world is to verify the little negative eyes. So you answered your own question. You just forgot you answered it. So what does this song mean? I used to be so happy. Your happiness is what happens to you. That's what this song means. It means that your happiness is what happens to you. Now think about this. 
This has nothing to do with you. Only how external life treats you. It has nothing to do with you at all. This is all about external life. You're happy when life goes your way. You're unhappy when it doesn't. Thinking that what happens to you should always be good without earning it because we were born. You didn't ask to be born. Why should I be unhappy? I didn't ask to be born. It's not my fault. How many people say that? Many, many. Many, exactly. I didn't ask to be born. I should be happy in life. It should just be that way. Well, it's not that way. Morris Nichols said, the world of what happens to us is a very dangerous world to trust because things may happen that do not make you happy at all. Well, let me just say something about that. Morris Nichols didn't state it quite the way I would state it. I would say it like this. The world of what happens to us is a very dangerous world to trust because sooner or later things will happen that do not make you happy at all. It's just a matter of time. Sooner or later things will happen that do not make you happy. So that's an idiotic world to trust. And yet that's the world that almost everyone lives in. In fact, we're all born into that world. We're all trained to be in that world from the time we're, if you like the word, an embryo. From the time you're in the mother's womb, you're learning, you're hearing all the things out there. So you're being trained how to be unhappy. Perfect. Happy is a loaded word with no density of meaning because it's dependent on external life. A loaded word is a word that's loaded with more than one meaning. A loaded word is a word that can mean many different things. That's a word that's loaded. It's like a dump truck and you can put anything in it and you can load it up with lots and lots of stuff. So then the dump truck comes along and you call that dump truck, look, it's a truck. Yes, but what's in the truck? Uh, grapes. And someone else says, no, not grapes, oranges. Like and, and someone else, like, exactly, like that pickup truck last night with all the fruit in it. What's in the truck? Well, fruit. But what if there were some vegetables? Well, what if there were some boxes? Well, what if there was some dirt? Well, what if there was this? There were all these other things in there too, weren't there? But it's a loaded word. We have loaded words and happiness is a loaded word. And the reason it has no meaning is because it has no density. There's nothing solid about it. It has no center of gravity. There's nothing secure about it because it's a loaded word. And loaded words are why the babble, the confusion of tongues is such a problem on our planet. Why no one understands anyone else here. You don't understand me because you have loaded words. I have loaded words. Everyone struggles. Well, you're speaking a language that's not your language, so that's even worse. If you were speaking in your own language, you would still have trouble. Try and explain yourself to your best friend. And how do you do with that? How's that go? It's very hard because he has loaded words. You'll say this, he thinks it means something else. You'll say that, he'll... He, yeah. And so all the time it's the same thing. It's all these loaded words that we have with no density. There's nothing... See, they're blown here and they're blown there because they have no density. They can't hold still. They have no weight. They have no ballast. They have no balance. A loaded word is a word that has so many different meanings it could go this way or that way. And that's why this work teaches you first a language. There's a certain language that you have to learn in order to do this work. In the same way that there's a certain language you would have to learn in order to do scientific testing. You would have to know about this. If you're going to do mathematics, there's a certain language you have to learn. If you're going to do composition with words, with writing, there's a certain language you have to learn. Whatever language it is you're writing in, you have to learn the rules of that language. You have to learn what the words mean. And you have to learn how to use them properly so that it's interesting writing and not just words strung together for the sake of being strung together for a nickel a word or whatever people sell their compositions for or try to sell their compositions for. It's probably more like $5 a word now or $5,000 a word. People are so greedy. What makes this word happiness so 
problematic is that its meaning is dependent on external life, which is constantly changing, 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 constantly changing. Esoteric teachings are to make something in you that's independent of what happens to you in life. How can inner peace depend on what happens to you? That's no peace at all. There's no way that you could think that inner peace could come from what happens to you. Once you begin to study this work, you see that there's no way that that can happen. Machines behave like that. Not a man trying to become more conscious. The teachings of self-observation and self-remembering, trying not to express negative emotions, all of these things are designed to make in us a point apart from the machine that's run by happenings. So if we can have this point over here, this point of density, like this buoy in the bay where you can hook up your boat, then when the wind comes, no matter which way it blows, your boat is anchored to this buoy and it can travel all around the buoy, no matter which way the wind blows, no matter how hard the wind blows, it'll still stay anchored there. That's what the work is trying to do. It's trying to make that anchor point in you so that no matter what happens to you in life, no matter what happens, you still have this anchor point of the work. Will that make you happy? No, it won't make you happy, but it will be an anchor point that will help to make you unhappy. And I'll explain that because you have that look on your face like, what? It will help to make you unhappy. Well, why would I want something that made me unhappy? So that you could learn to shift your happiness from something that doesn't really make you happy in a lasting way to something that makes you happy lastingly. Real happiness, lasting happiness that depends upon inner peace, this anchor in you that constantly pulls you down into the center of gravity where you can have something real so that no matter what comes against you in life, you're solid and you can keep your course. That is where real happiness and real peace comes from. It doesn't come from outer things which change all the time. So that's the purpose of this work and these teachings, to bring that about, to make this point in you that is not part of the machine that is run by happenings. There is a happy that can take the place of mechanical happy. There is a happy that can replace this mechanical happiness that we're constantly running after. The whole world is running after mechanical happiness. You saw it last night on the Strand with everybody buying stupid things. Watches, ugly watches. Do you remember the guy we walked by with the stupid gun? And it's lights and people buying that. What insanity. How long is that going to last? They're going to be happy to what? Until it's broken, until the batteries run down, until it's old, until they're bored with it? That's what we do. That's this other kind of happiness. There's nothing lasting in that. So we're talking about this work kind of happiness that's not called happiness at all really in the work. It's more of an inner peace. This depends on whether we can meet unhappy circumstances without identifying with them. This is what the work teaches us. Can you begin to meet unhappy circumstances without being unhappy? You can. You can learn to do that. A new center of gravity means a new kind of happy. The quality of happiness deepens from the external things depending on how people behave towards us to the internal things depending upon how we take how people behave towards us. How we process the impressions makes all of the difference. Light from higher centers bathe us. They cleanse us. They purify us. They develop us. But we've got to get in the light. This is an inner path. If we're constantly running out here, out here into this, through this sense, through that sense, to this thing, to that thing, we're not going inside where we can get in the light of consciousness and we can be bathed and purified and developed by this light. That's what this work really teaches. That's the real esoteric of this work. 
It's inner. There's a hidden meaning, meaning it's apart from the five senses. It's apart from life. It's something inside of you that you can find, something inside of you that you can pin yourself to, that you can anchor yourself to, something inside of you that can hold on to when the wind starts to blow. If you get caught in a hurricane, you get hold of something so you're not blown away. This is the same thing. Life is a hurricane. We're just waiting for it to hit. You don't know when it's going to hit next, but it's going to hit. And so what do we do? We think, oh, there's never going to be another hurricane. Yeah, right. But it always comes. Well, that was just a freak accident. Freak accidents always come in life. So when we find this path, we begin to distinguish between external happiness and internal happiness that belongs to inner peace and stability. Esoteric teachings stand for truth, while being negative stands for falsity. We're on the battlefield. In fact, we are the battlefield where truth and falsity war against each other. This is what it means for man to stand with his feet on earth and his head in heaven. It means that this war, this contest, this tug of war, back and forth between falsity and truth, the truth pulling one way, falsity pulling the other way, the little eyes pulling you down, the good ideas, the better ideas, the truth ideas pulling you up, and you're the battleground. When you allow yourself to become negative, you're dragged down into very dangerous places internally, where you can be mugged, robbed of your force, robbed of your life, robbed of all your possessions, robbed of your stability, robbed of your happiness, robbed of your peace. And what do you get instead? You get enslaved. That's what happens. Think about how hard it is to get out of being negative once you become negative. It's not easy. If it were easy, you would never be negative. As soon as you caught yourself being negative, you just stop. You just walk out of it. But you can't walk out of it because you're enslaved by it. Being negative brings you so close to hell and falsity that it's frightening. If you could see, you would understand what J. Krishnamurti said when he said, the house is on fire. And you're in there watching television. You're in there playing games. You're in there doing this. You're in doing that. But you should get out of the house because the house is on fire. And what he meant was, this whole world is on fire and you must get out of it and get inside where there's something safe and something real where there's some lasting happiness, where there's some lasting peace, where there's some real ideas that don't change all the time, where you don't have to worry about how people behave towards you. You only have to worry about one thing. How am I going to process this impression so that I can remain happy, so that I can stay at peace? That's what becomes important. And your war between truth and falsity has begun. Being negative does indeed bring you very close to hell and falsity. Negative emotions make us see everything falsely. Everything we see when we're negative is counterfeited. We think that good is bad. We think that light is dark. We think that dark is light. It makes us see everything the wrong way. And it's negative emotions that do that. Have you ever wondered how you could have thought, felt, written, or done that? Have you ever looked at something after you've been negative? You were negative and then you snap out of it and you look back and you think, Oh God, how could I have done that? Why did I say that? Have you ever had regret? Have you ever had remorse for what you've said? All the time. This is exactly what I'm talking about. You have done that. Free from a negative state, we feel that it's incredible. Who would do that? Why would anyone do that? Why would anyone be so hateful? Why would anybody be so cruel? Why would anybody be so vengeful? Why would anybody be so vicious? But when we're in that negative state, it's something else that's talking, feeling, writing, thinking. Only truth combating falsity saves us. When these teachings enter into you and find an anchor point, then we begin to know when we're behaving badly. Can we do anything about it? Well, no, not in the beginning. You behave badly and you look at it like you're watching someone else behave badly. 
Only now you have the horror of knowing that it's you and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And that's how it is in the beginning. Later, though, there's something we can do. We know that we're saying something. We don't quite believe in the suspicious negative emotions that are arising. This is when we find ourselves in the arena where we must combat falsity with truth. Temptation is something people don't understand very easily. Temptation simply means seeing things from negative emotions and holding a point of truth in yourself so you don't give way entirely to your negative states. That's all that temptation means. We'll go back to the example of the hurricane. Let's say we're walking out there. Of course, there are no hurricanes in this area, but let's say we're walking out there and a big wind blows up. What would you do? You grab hold of something stable and you hold on to it so that you can stand in the wind. And that's what this is about. This point inside of us that the work tries to make, this anchor point, this is the point we can hold on to when the winds of life blow against us, when negativity pushes against us, when it tries to suck us down into the lower states. We have something to hold on to. We're looking at it this way. Look at it like quicksand. You can't be sucked down into quicksand if you can tie yourself to something that can't be moved. And that's what we're trying to do in the work. We're trying to make ourselves, connect ourselves to this anchor point of truth that will resist falsity when it comes and starts pulling at us, when it starts trying to drag us down, as it always does, through these little negative mechanical lives. If you try and fight it yourself, you'll lose. You need help from above. It's like you see in the movies how someone falls into quicksand and they, oh, throw me a rope, throw me this, throw me that. But without that, they can't get out. No matter how much they struggle, the more they struggle, the faster they go down. And so they have to have something from above that can pull them up. If they don't have that, they're lost. That's what this work is, something from above. This is why Gurdjieff said, there's a rope just above you right now. Jump for it, reach for it, get hold of that rope and begin to pull yourself up. That's what he's talking about. Negative emotions will drag you down like quicksand. Suspicious thoughts will drag you down like quicksand. All these things work against us. All these little eyes work against us. They don't tell us they're working against us. They tell us they're doing it all for our good. I'm protecting you, I'm saving you. I'm warning you, I'm helping you. What does it help you to? It helps you into the slums of yourself, where you end up wallowing in negativity and hate, where you end up wallowing in all the things that you said you didn't want, and somehow enjoying it. That's the worst part. You somehow find vitality and life in it. It's a life that doesn't last, and it's a vitality that sucks you dry. All this is about one thing, making this point in you with the work, this point where you have something to anchor yourself to so that you don't give way entirely to your negative states. Do you want to know what the worst possible state is for a person? If you don't know when you're negative, that's the worst possible state you could be in. When you're negative and you don't know it, you're so far from seeing what this work means. You'll never understand what this work is about as long as when you're negative, you can't see it. For years, people remain convinced in this work that they're not negative. I can't tell you how many emails that I've had saying, I'm not negative. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I'm not negative. They've screamed it angrily, screamed, I'm not negative. And they're so positive, so sure they're not negative. And they're completely blind to their negativity. As we gradually develop inner taste, we begin to see when we're negative. This belongs to magnetic center and enables us to work on negative states. You can't work on negative states without magnetic center. It's impossible. You've got to be able to have something inside of you so that you can work on these negative states. Inner taste and buried conscience are connected. You know, I've told you before, there are two kinds of conscience. The conscience that we learn in life, 
Don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. That conscience which constantly changes. All right, for example, in Macedonia, we say da, that means yes. But now we're in Greece, what does da mean? Nay. It means no, and nay means yes. So you went to the man the other day and you said, well, can I use the bathroom? And he said, nay. And you went, oh, I'm not, he won't, why won't he let me use the bathroom? Nay means yes, but you had it all turned around. And this is exactly what happens to us, precisely what happens to us. <laughs> we get stuck in this where we don't know right from wrong. We don't know because of this acquired conscience, because it changes from here to there. You cross the border and now all the conscience, all the things that you did learn that were right are now wrong, and all the things that were wrong are now right. But buried conscience is the same everywhere. Yes is always yes, no is always no. That's just an example. Don't take that too far. It's just an example. So as we gradually begin to see that we're negative, we gradually begin to develop this magnetic center, we're enabled to work on these negative states. Our inner taste and buried conscience are connected, and so what happens is we start to develop this inner taste. As a self-developing organism, you can't continue to waste your force being negative. Sooner or later, you must see for yourself when you are negative, when negative emotions are making you say and think what you're saying and thinking. It's not you at all. It's the negative emotions. But you have to develop this inner taste so that you can see it, or else you can never separate from it. You will always say I to it if you can't develop this taste. Some people are quite content, very happy being negative. They're thrilled. They don't mind at all. They've not reached the development where they can say, I'm not happy because I'm negative. When you can come to the point when you can say, I'm not happy because I'm negative, instead of saying, I'm negative because I'm not happy, and you say, I'm not happy because I'm negative, you have reached something in this work that is very valuable. Very few people reach it, obviously. If you look around, there are a lot of unhappy people in the work because they haven't reached this point where they can say, I'm not happy because I'm negative. And then if you look around, you'll find a lot of unhappy people in the work. But those people will be saying, I'm not happy because I'm negative. So either way, it looks like there are unhappy people in the work. But are they contented? Are they at peace? Do they have something stable inside themselves? That's what matters. And that's why you can't judge a book by its cover. People look at me and say, well, with all the things that are happening to you, how can you be happy? And I say, well, I am. And you say, really? How many times have you said that to me? Too many times. There's no way you can convince someone of that. They have to find it for themselves. They have to find it for themselves. You've got to see for yourself. When that happens, when you can say, I'm not happy because I'm negative, that's when the work has begun. Then you're beginning to understand what this is all about. As long as you can justify your negative states, your negative words, your negative thoughts, your negative feelings, your negative behaviors, you are closer to hell and falsity rather than to heaven and truth. Part of a cosmic